Okay, mic check, one, two, one, two, one, two. Uh, yeah, let's get it. Okay, so if y'all want to get crazy, we can get crazy. crazy, crazy, crazy. Great. What? Great parade. Welcome to Adventures in Black Cinema, your passport to black film. My name is Desmond Thorne. I will be your host and your film aficionado for the day. I'm very excited for this episode. I've been wanting to do this film for a long time. Got many requests for it in the new year, and we are doing it. And we are doing it with a guest. I am very excited to welcome to the show, Lene DePriest. Lene is a wonderful comedian, writer, and teaching artist. Welcome to the show, Lene. Hello, I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) Yes, at time of recording today, it has been officially a year of this quarantine situation uh, since, you know, It's been widespread since, you know, people got laid off from their jobs and such. So how are you feeling now versus a year ago when this all popped off? Um, what, what even is a year ago at this point? Yeah. What is, what is time? I feel like something happened. We hit March and now I feel like I just like entered through a wormhole. And now I'm mm-hmm. back to March 2020. Like I, but it's not March 2020. Like I know I've done a lot of like healing and a lot of like, you know, just figuring out my life in the past year. I've made a lot of progress, but at the same time, I'm like, but I feel like I just got reset. Level up. It's a real, like, it's like in a, a loop. Yeah. It's like, what is it? Shoots, is it shoots and ladders or is it Candyland? Where like you hit a certain point and then like it'll push you all the way back to the, the, the beginning of the game. Kind of oh, like that's what it feels like. Oh, I think that's Candyland. <laughs> that's what yes. I'm feeling like. Yes. I, I absolutely agree. Like just thinking about a year ago and kind of how I at least thought that I was going to go to New Jersey for like a few weeks to be with the fam to make sure everyone was okay, everyone was safe. And I stayed there until July. Wow. Yeah. It's just been such a whirlwind. Like I am working again-ish, but it feels like Personal progress has been made in life, but I agree with you. At the same time, it feels life is not back to the way it it was in terms of the whole infrastructure of things, you know? Yeah. So. I, I, well, it's interesting because I, I have a lot of friends who were like, well, I guess I'll go home. But I'm like, that's not an option. That option was never even posed to me. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother went home for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then my mom at some point was like, 
she wasn't having that anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and had a little conversation like, so what you doing with your life? Like as soon as I think it was like last summer, I want to say like last July or so she was mm-hmm. like, so, um, things look like there was that brief moment where things were like trying to reopen and we didn't absolutely, know why absolutely. that point my mom was like so what so what's your plan here mm-hmm. you and your girlfriend what y'all doing mm-hmm. so they left and went back to um la but oh, yeah gotcha. going home was never it, it's just been me and my cat um that nice. i got like I got my cat like 10 days before shutdown. Wow. So in that, it was like in that period of time, we were still making jokes about it. Right, right. Um, Because we, you know, we'd had that Ebola scare in -hmm. in the city. So Mm -hmm. we were like, okay, it's just that again. Like that was scary enough. Like we'll be fine. We'll be good. We were still in that space. And I got my cat. And then like a few days later, I was like, you know, they keep talking about this like comorbidity thing. If it's respiratory, I have really bad asthma. Should I not be going anywhere? Because no one's told me that I shouldn't. But I feel like maybe I should stop going places. Mm-hmm. So I called the client. It was like, yeah, I might come into your office. She had also come in like two weeks before with the flu and was like, oh, I'm here. I have the flu. Uh, I was like, please go home. No, then, <laughs> like, then you need to go, to go home. home. Then you need to go home. So with that and everything, I was like, yeah, let me go ahead and just. Let me go ahead and just stay home. And then I went, I remember going up the street. There was that day we got the text saying like, oh, schools are shut down starting Mm -hmm. tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And I remember going up the street to the grocery store and there was a Jameson party bus outside. What? Like handing out shots on the street. Whoa. So it was this like surreal moment of like, I have this text on my phone and I look up and I'm like, are y'all sure we're shutting mm-hmm. down? Is it that bad? I can't. It just felt, I was like, I feel like I'm stuck in this, like somewhere between like this dystopian future. And like, also just like, am I, is it, am I overreacting? I'm going to just go ahead and go home. Right, <laughs> right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my thing. I'm going to do what I feel is the right thing. Yeah, that's so real. That's so real. Well, I'm so excited to have you on here today because greetings from Los Angeles, California, y'all. This week's episode is called Adventures in Mobbing and Money, and we are getting into the nitty-gritty of Set It Off. Oh, so thrilled, so excited. But before we do that, we're going to play a little round of Who's Invited. Is a tasty burger. So, as y'all know, if you've heard a show, an episode with me and a guest before, Who's Invited is a game that I like to play to raise awareness on the white gaze of Black films. So, this is a game where I will read off a list of Black films directed by white people. White people. <laughs> And it'll be up to my guest of the day, Lene, to decide what films they think get invited to the cookout 
AKA our actual black films that get accepted into the hearts and souls of black people and which films do not. And again, we play this because I think it's very important to examine when a white person handles a film that is for all intents and purposes a black film, we need to be able to see what their view on black people is and how that reflects on how we see ourselves. So the rules of the game. Over the course of a minute, I will go through this list of films and it will be up to you to either say yes, sir, if you think the film is invited or by Felicia, if you think the film is not invited. So we'll do a little practice round with some examples first. I'll give you three little examples before we time it because it Uh-oh. is a timed oh, one minute time. round. <laughs> Pressure. Pressure. <laughs> so first example being The Color Purple. Mm. Uh, yes, sir. Awesome. Second example, Hidden Figures. Yes, sir. And last example, Django Unchained. Bye, Felicia. Yes. <laughs> that has been very consistent with all the guests. That one is always uh, a no-go, as we say. There's uh, inserting the white savior, and then there's like, come on. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That is so real. All right, are you ready for the official round? Uh, I think so. Uh, it's the timing part of it. Okay, 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 I got it. <laughs> awesome. The timer has begun. All right, coming to America. Yes, sir. Purple Rain. Yes, sir. Dolomite is my name. Yes, sir. Half Baked. <clears throat> Bye, Felicia. Good Burger. Oh, come on. Yes, sir. Paris is Burning. Yes, sir. Blue Streak. Bye, Felicia. The Nutty Professor. Bye, Felicia. Space Jam. No, bye, Felicia. The Bodyguard. Bye, Felicia. Ma. Yes, sir. (laughs) <laughs> Hustle and flow. Yes, sir. The help. Bye, Felicia. And last but not least, how high? Bye, Felicia. <laughs> oh, fun, fun. That was great. You did a great job. You did a really great job. Because I have to think about the actors. And like, mm-hmm. what actually, like, did any of this actually shape how I see myself? Which is really hard because one of the movies that you mentioned, um, the person in that movie was like a big inspiration for me getting into comedy, but has since just like shown their transphobic mm-hmm. ass constantly where I'm like, I, I can't. Also, it didn't really do anything for me as far mm-hmm. as like shaping my black my blackness, my black identity, me seeing myself. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel the, the same way the about this person. The actress in the film did, but, but, yes. um, who is, who is very under, who is, uh, I, I, I could just say it. Rachel True is like very, I, I, I wish we needed, we didn't more of her. And I feel like Hollywood didn't deserve her at the time Agreed. that we got her. Agreed. Um, but if you're into tarot, you know, pick up that tarot deck because, or just like check her out on Instagram because she's always yes. going live and like having conversations. But yeah, I uh, am a big fan of her. So. Agreed. Love her. 
Let's get into the nitty gritty of Set It Off. Yes, so excited. excited. You are here for one reason, one reason only to learn, to learn, to learn. So, Set It Off was directed by F. Gary Gray, and it was released in 1996. And here's a little summary of the film if anyone in the audience does not know about it, which you should. This film tells the story of four women living in the projects of Los Angeles. And these four women are played by Jada Pinkett, Queen Latifah, Vivica A. Fox, and Kimberly Elise. And these four women are friends, they are homies, they kick it together, and they work together. And these are also for women whose society has pushed into a corner in various ways. Stoney, played by Jada Pinkett, needs money to get her brother through college, and he ends up getting killed by the police early on in the film. Frankie, played by Vivica A. Fox, has just been fired from her bank teller job after it's held up by a guy that she knows from the projects, and she receives blame and is accused of colluding with him. Then we have Titi, who is played by Kimberly Elise, and Titi has a young son who gets taken into child protective services after a mishap at the ladies' cleaning job, And she needs money to prove to the system that she can take care of him. And Cleo, I cannot remember Cleo's reasoning exactly besides Cleo wanting to have more money and wanting to just literally set it off, right? (laughs) Cleo at one point says, like, like, we're hood rats and, like, Sony wasn't okay with that, but Cleo was like, I'm, I'm a hood rat. Cleo mm-hmm. wanted that money just to soup up that car yes. and to have, yeah, the, the champagne pop in and to yes. be able to deck out her girlfriend and live and live the life or get as close to it as possible. Exactly. Yeah. Live that life. Get some, get some music. She's constantly throwing those CDs out of the car. <laughs> love that. <laughs> Such a great detail. I love that so much. And of course, you know, I was listening to this podcast once upon a time that was talking about a famous book series and they were talking about how in terms of writing and in terms of characters, sometimes people's greatest strength is also the weakness that gets them in trouble. Mm -hmm. And that definitely rings true for, I think, most of these characters, but definitely for Cleo. Because I think... Having a great taste in music is like an excellent strength, but it also is one of the reasons they were able to catch them is because she was always throwing them out the car. It's such it's such a like you have to live somewhere where you absolutely have to drive to yeah. fully appreciate it, you know? Because exactly. it's like having the right music on a drive, that's a vibe. When you're a vibe. when you're on the way to a job that you can't stand, but you could put on that that right playlist and get your vibe going in the car on the way to that job. When you get there, it's like it's not so bad. When you have that day where you just wanna like just bump the bass and get that knock and just like just yes. just have a moment. Like you need that. Or when you, you need put it. on, you know, your 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 secret <laughs> white girl playlist. Yes, and we all have out. one. We all have one. We yeah. all have one. We all do. And so all of these situations that all of these women are going through, you know, eventually lead to them coming up 
with the idea to rob various banks around Los Angeles, and eventually a cop named Detective Strode, played by John C. McGinley, closely is following behind. Also in this film, we have Blair Underwood in his first film role. This is also Kimberly Elise's first film role. And the fineness of this man is just ridiculous. He is just so delicious. It's It should be illegal. I didn't, you know, I didn't get it uh, for, like, later stuff. I, okay, first, y'all, I'm queer, okay? But, like, cishet men are just, like, not on my radar. Word. Um, so I can see a cishet man and be like, I can see how you would be attracted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see the appeal. But, yeah, no, watching him in this movie, especially that scene that they had. Well, oh, my God. Ooh, that scene God. he had Ooh. with somebody who... Well, supposed to be Jada Pinkett. Right, 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 right. If you appreciate Jada Pinkett, then you know that booty does not belong to Jada Pinkett. No, like, honestly, so surprised when the booty comes up. I'm like, who, who's, who's? Oh, my gosh. And how did the casting process go? Like, we need a booty that's, it's got to be rotund enough for us to be able to take this chain from his neck. Who decided that? And just run it through the booty crack. <gasps> that but, is so funny. tastefully. This is tastefully. not... Later on, they do it in tip drill, and it does not go as tastefully. Mm-hmm. But this is, you know, with the, it... And Nobody, not never in their life, thought about using the chain around their neck in that way until they saw this movie. <laughs> never. It's it set off a chain, if, <laughs> if you will. And I think that that scene is also so emblematic of black 90s and early 2000s films because there it the film doesn't exist if there is not a love scene mm-hmm. to a slow jam and this film has it this film absolutely has it oh yes it does and i love the role that this character plays in terms of you seeing this black guy who has a lot of money He's definitely in a way different class than Stoney is, kind of representing this contrast, you know, Harvard grad, et cetera, and also showing that he's in a different place than Stoney, but the fact that they had similar dreams for their lives, I think is very, very important to see, and that he's not a villain either. I feel like a lot of times in films where there's black people and you're trying to show like a contrast between someone who's a rich black person and someone who's a not rich black person. The rich person is presented as like an evil antagonist, but I love that pretty much all throughout this film, he's like a fairly understanding and like good dude. Because they don't play that trope of like, okay, we know he goes to Harvard. We know he probably comes for money. Mm Mm-hmm. But or maybe he doesn't. Maybe you know. Maybe he doesn't. We don't know. But they we don't play into this trope of like. There's never a moment where his blackness is questioned. Totally. They have totally. that moment at the dinner where you think it's about to go there, mm-hmm. and then they joke with each other, and and you know. Um, it's so great. And that moment of walking in and saying like, "Oh, oh, this is a nice restaurant. I've never been here. It's black owned. I like that." And it's like, mm-hmm. yes, yes. 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 Uh, what a man, what a man. Also what a in this, man. what a mighty good man. Because we're going to talk about, because we're going to talk about in Vogue in a second. 
Um, Anna Marie Horsford is in this. She is well known for playing a lot of supporting roles in films and also smaller roles in films. And I think the people who do the work like this are the really special people because whenever I see her in a movie, I get so excited. Mm -hmm. Cause you know, I think of her playing uh, Ice Cube's mom in Friday. And though she's only in a couple scenes in this, again, seeing a black person in this role in ways that are sometimes antagonist roles, the child services role. I like the way that it's portrayed and written in here because you see that she has to do her job and also she wants TT to win. She really does want TT to have her child back. And I think that's a, a thing you don't really see a whole lot, that there are people in this world who have to do what they have to do and they also want to see their people win. It's like with, you know, thanks to all the, <laughs> I love TT's excuse. Like, kids get into poison every day. Mm-hmm. Every time I watch a scene, I'm like, thanks. I'm like, ah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't think You're so, TT. Yeah. and I get it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, seeing, seeing that, um, I always want to call him Tashawn, and it's not Tashawn. It's like <laughs> J- Jawan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Jawan. Uh, but if you don't watch it on closed caption, you might miss that. Um, <laughs> that, you know, this child is being taken away, but at the same time, he is being cared for by another black woman. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's still, I, I, I just think that's so important seeing that because, again, you know, that's the difference. You know, you don't have that white savior like, right. oh, you know, let this white social worker come in and say, oh, don't worry, I'll take the baby and I'll keep totally. safe for you. You know, get it together. Totally. Um, ugh, totally. It's just so, ugh, so beautiful. So, so good. Beautiful. We also have in this film Ella Joyce, who plays Detective Waller, who is Detective Strode's partner and is an, another interesting counterpart. Very early on, it is pointed out that she is a black person who will not be helping. She will not be on their side. I love when Vivica A. Fox in that early scene where Vivica is being interrogated. Vivica goes like, and sister, you didn't even offer me a glass of water. Right? I love that. I love Just that, that. That like look up and down. We don't do that enough anymore. That mm-hmm. like that that blatant up and down. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, she out of all the people that we have said that are black people who are outside of the group of four who are supportive, the one who isn't works because we'll talk about this later, the ways in which society bears down on these women, the cop being against them makes absolute perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And last but not least in this film that I want to talk about, we have Dr. Dre, who I forgot was in this movie. So when they go to get the arms and when they're going to, you know, doing the shooting practice, I'm like, that looks a lot like Mr. Andre. Is that Dr. Dre? And I was like, you know, this makes sense because F. Gary Gray directed a lot of Cube videos, directed some Dre videos, directed the Miss Jackson video for Outcast. Okay. Great, great director. And of course, later on directed Straight Outta Compton. So he obviously has a relationship, also being from LA, has a relationship with the NWA dudes. So it's I cool like to you, see him. It's- 
it's like a it's like a respect thing too. Yeah. You know? it's like you can't do a you were especially in the nineties, you weren't doing a film set in LA without having a staple of LA being in the film. One hundred percent. Like you can't do a film now set in the Bay without having a staple from the Bay. You can't like you can't. It's just it's like you gotta put some respect on it. Absolutely. Respect on you gotta it, you know? sprinkle some respect on that. Hey. You it's not gonna so do real. a film set in, in New Orleans without without no. getting a big Frida something going no. popping off in there somewhere. You are not. <laughs> you are not. Oh, love Big Frida. Love Big Frida. So some fun facts about this film, and I'm wondering if you know some of these. So Brandy was offered the role of TT and turned it down, which I think is interesting because I can see it, and I think Brandy would have done a fine job in the role. And at the same time, I'm so glad she turned it down because we got Kimberly Elise. Yeah. This was our introduction to Kimberly Elise, and she does such an amazing job. I think, you know, Brandy does fine work in many things, but I think the the nuance that Kimberly brings to TT is much needed. There's a, yeah, she's, Kimberly Elise is a very subtle actor mm-hmm. um that's what I, I told you before like i kimberly at least was was i i wanted to be an actor and then i kept being told like oh you're too subtle you're too subtle mm-hmm. you can't you can't do theater because you're too subtle you can't do film because you know it won't read you're just too subtle you have to you know you have to be bigger to be bigger and i'm like that's just not how i express anything naturally i, I just i won't and then I saw Kimberly Elise, and I was like, this is someone who is a very subtle actor. And that's part of the beauty of it, is that you're getting these little, you can't watch Kimberly Elise and not feel like the moment is real. Absolutely. Because her reactions are so subtle and so just like beautiful, but so like grounded and juicy in the mm-hmm. moment. Which is so like, she has so many moments in the movie where like, you would scream and she just like she looks like she's about to scream and then she lets out this very subtle like whisper like choked back oh it's beautiful so good so good a very happy and wonderful accident so other casting things that were surrounding this is that regina king auditioned to play frankie which is very interesting. And Rosie Perez was also interested in playing Frankie as well, which is interesting because Regina King can do all things. She would have been great, you know, period. Rosie Perez, I can see the fire coming through because Rosie Perez is very, very fiery. But again, I think... The supreme choice being Vivica A. Fox. Yeah. <laughs> Vivica yeah. is, oh, she's so good in this movie. And we'll definitely break down her performance and everyone else because, whew, from the opening frames, she's giving you everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. The way she, <laughs> there are two iconic hair brushing moments I feel like in black film you have poetic justice with the yes, hairbrush yes and you got Frankie with this comb on the yes. back <laughs> yes just combing at one piece <laughs> so so good and also Chili from TLC was apparently interested in playing Stony, which is very interesting and again this is another connection 
to F. Gary Gray. F. Gary Gray has directed some TLC videos. And I've only seen Chili act in one thing. I saw her act in a Diva's Christmas Carol. I don't know if you've ever seen a Diva's Christmas Carol, but this I is a this is a this is a spin on a Christmas Carol starring Vanessa Williams as Ebony Scrooge. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> and then Chili plays like the Marley uh, character. Yeah. And you know she's good in that. She's good in that. So it's like you know, of course. Jada is, again, this is the perfect choice for Stoney. So all of this ended up going correctly. But it's so interesting to hear about, you know, what could have possibly been at some point. That is like, I'm so stuck on Rosie Perez. Like, really? I know. I know. I, I know. couldn't see it. Like, I couldn't because I've seen this movie so many times. I couldn't see it, but also, like, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, at the same mm-hmm. time, I'm like, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So interesting. Fun fact number two, Vivica A. Fox was filming Independence Day when she was auditioning for this role, and this is really sweet. Apparently, Will Smith helped to coach her for her audition, and this is also really cute because Will and Jada were dating at the time, so this is just, like, all one big happy fam. I love it. And also, Vivica had been on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air before, too, so I think that they had had a relationship, a working relationship a little bit, even before Independence Day. I can't remember when she was on. She was on pretty early, playing a love interest for Will, I think in, like, the one of the first couple seasons. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. okay, yes, before, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. And also, speaking of people filming things at and around this time... You notice at the end of the film, Jada has that haircut because she's on the run. And also that haircut looks familiar because she was filming Scream 2 at the time. And that's pretty much the haircut she has in Scream 2. Oh. Mm-hmm. So they had to take a break in filming so that she could go do that and then came back and finished the film after she finished filming Scream 2. Wow. Mm-hmm. So much was ha- It's weird because now thinking about it, I'm like, all of those movies were going on at the same exactly. time. Exactly. <laughs> Isn't it so crazy to think about time in that way and thinking about all of these things happening? It is so crazy. I mean, wow. what a pinnacle of time, you know? All yeah. of these things were happening at the same time. I mean, soul food did not happen that much longer after this. Like, all of these women were really, really busy and constantly working. Uh, and last fun fact is that apparently half of the film's budget went to clearing the use of the Godfather theme. In the Godfather scene. It's interesting the things you notice about a movie that you kind of like grew up with mm-hmm. as you watch it as you get older. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember watching it again and I'm being like, that's not cheap. <laughs> it's not cheap. It is not cheap. And it's also a scene where you're just like, okay, 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 okay. Like, it feels a little out of place. It is a lot of fun for all of them to do. And it is genuinely funny in some moments, but half the wasn't budget. That, wasn't that a time, though, in hip-hop where the kind of, like, mobster mm-hmm. you know there were like different times in hip-hop where like different waves of things came through and I feel like that was the time when like yeah. that mobster thing was really big yeah um, it makes me think of the album cover for the Fuji's album The Score 
Yeah. It has the same typeface as The Godfather. There's a lot of different kinds of motifs within the album that are like that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's a really yeah. good point. So my first experience seeing the film is that I had seen this on TV a bunch over the years, probably on BET or like AMC or something like that. And, you know, this had always stuck with me because of the cast and the storyline. It felt so real and so exhilarating. And I'm also such a huge fan of the heist genre when done correctly. And also F. Gary Gray did revisit the heist genre in doing the remake of The Italian Job. This was one of the movies that my family definitely had on VHS as well in the collection. And my dad also had the CD for the soundtrack because the soundtrack is so good. And the soundtrack includes songs such as Don't Let Go. Love by In Vogue, which is the slow jam playing in the love making scene. It also includes Days of Our Lives by Bone Thugs and Harmony. And includes the title track, Set It Off, by Queen Latifah and Organized Noise. And what surprised me is that before I had even seen the movie, I heard the original version of the Set It Off song. Have you heard it? It's like the club dancey version. The- Yes. Now that's what I call music. Exactly. Set it off. Set it off. And Lene, what was your first experience seeing this film? I um I was trying to think. I'm pretty sure because my parents are gay. Mm-hmm. And so like to have it was very big making sure that we watched every black movie we could we could watch and i mean even like the even the even the you know b c d level ones where it's yeah 100 like, <laughs> percent. master p made a lot of movies oh um, <laughs> a lot of movies oh no a lot of movies wow um, got his friends together and made the movies and i've seen <laughs> that is amazing um, but it was always important to support you know, whatever black movies we could find, but also to have a black movie that has a lesbian character mm-hmm. that is also done so well because it's, it's so never, well. there's never like, a, you know, a moment of like calling Cleo out on any of that. It's just, it is mm-hmm. what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think, I, I know I saw this movie as soon as it came out. I'm pretty sure it was probably like a thing in our family. I think I've been seen it in theater. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so yes. Because 
Yeah, this is around that. I'm pretty sure I saw it in theaters. Um, this is definitely a movie that I that I grew up with because I was like nine or ten when it came out. Um, <laughs> yes. And, and I think this was I think this is one of those movie outings where my mom stuffed the like big like Sam's Club size bag of popcorn mm. in my puffy jacket. Yes. That she would make me wear in the movies even in the middle of winter, and they'd be like, "Why? What?" My child has a medical condition. What, what? We can't wear coats in a movie theater. You know how cold it gets in there just to get this giant. And it was only four of us. It's not like we could all eat this giant floor size. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, but I, yeah, I definitely, I can't remember a time um, in my life where I wasn't watching this movie. I've, I've seen it a ridiculous amount of time. I love that. I love that. And every time I watch it, it feels like the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, This movie became, at some point, I want to say maybe like in high school, it became my movie that I watch when I need to have a good cry. Totally. Um, Totally. So when like there's a lot going on and you know like you just need to cry, but it's like, no, I have to be strong. I'm not going to cry. This is the movie that I always put on because I don't care how many times I watch it. When they get to the ending part where she's doing the flashbacks and they Mm -hmm. jump and link arms of the car, I lose it every time. 100%. Lose it every time. 100%. Um, This this movie has been like a, a... this movie is like part of like my foundation. Mm, <laughs> absolutely. And it is a very easy film to revisit in a lot of ways because it, it really does have that rewatchability factor. Mm-hmm. Like you do want to spend time with these women again, even though you do know what will happen at the end. There is something so beautiful about the moments when they're all together that you just want to kind of living again and that kind of rush of these moments yeah. that happen these big moments which we'll definitely get into let's talk about these uh, themes of mobbing and money so let me tell y'all why I chose Lene to be the guest for this film did you rob a bank? yeah so we, uh, when I was the programming coordinator for Newfest in 2019, I was tasked with putting together a comedy show of comedians and storytellers coming to tell the story of the first time they saw themselves truly represented on screen as a queer person. I remember Lene was telling me that they almost chose Set It Off, but they ended up choosing Eureka's Castle, which was an amazing choice. If y'all don't know Eureka's Castle, look it up. Amazing show from childhood that is just absolutely epic and wonderful. And Alex English ended up doing Set It Off. And I want to know from you, my first question for you is, what has this film meant to you over the years? Oh, wow. Um, It's my movie, I Need a Good Cry. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's first off. Um... It's also been, there's so much. (laughs) Watching Queen Latifah in that role, because that was another, Queen Latifah was another um, part of my foundation growing up. Um, Seeing a female rapper who was just like, you and I see why. Yes. 
That was just that. I just remember that song always. There was always reggae was always blasting in the house, but like that, <laughs> Queen Latifah was always in there somewhere, and Prince because mm-hmm. Prince was like the only man allowed in our house was Prince. Mm-hmm. But um, yes, seeing Queen Latifah in this role at a time where I don't think I ever saw her as not being like a queer icon. I um, agree. I agree. But then I remember growing, like, it's just like, as I've grown up, people have always been like, well, is she, isn't she? And it's like, does it matter? Also, like, baby, if you have followed Queen Latifah's career <laughs> and you have to ask, exactly. you don't need to know. It's not for it's you. It's not for because you. For those of us who, who, who know, we know. Mm-hmm. And it, it has done everything for us that it needed to. Absolutely. Um, watching her play Cleo and just the subtleties of, like, this this mask presenting character who was also femme and just like and there was no need to play up on one side or the other totally. there was no need to make because a lot of of um a lot of characters if you did see a lesbian character especially back then even now though really let's be yeah. honest even now a black lesbian yeah. character there it's like this butch like stereotypical, you know, very like tr- like trying to be a man mm-hmm. in whatever sense basic society thinks that that looks like, exactly. you know, whatever. Just like you know, borderline abusive, yep. and like you know, we're just like, what is going on? But like seeing that scene with Queen Latifah, and uh, I always get the 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 actress who played alongside her because she didn't speak, but she's still the one who played Ursula, mm-hmm. who is still. Absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. 100%. 100%. She didn't need to speak in a movie. Like, it's just her presence was, like, enough. Yeah. But watching that scene where when my mom would always cover my eyes when I was a kid, and it was like, nothing's happening. Right. Um, where they're dancing on the car. I but, like, it. seeing Cleo in this, like, you know, she's wearing, like, you know, her baggy pants, but then she's got this, like, sexy bodysuit on top, mm-hmm. you know, and, like, the sneakers, and the hair is, like, freshly braided. Yes. It's just, like, I just felt that was at a time of my life where I was still struggling a lot with, my own identity mm-hmm. um and struggling with and quietly struggling with my gender identity and like what that meant because I never felt like I fit in anywhere until I got to college and learned what like being gender queer gender non-conforming and non-binary meant and that I was like totally, <laughs> totally, totally. before I had words for it Seeing Cleo was like this representation. I just, I felt like I could see myself in this character. Like if I grew up, this is not so much the mobbing part. Cause like, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I'm a Sagittarius, like word. Please believe we get down. Exactly. But, <laughs> yes, y'all do. Yes, y'all do. You know what I mean? But uh, just see, and even with that, it was like you understood that there was, it was a means to an end. Yes. There wasn't like this glorification of any sort of anything. It was Absolutely. just like, this is just the reality we live in. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I That 
seeing her in that role is just like, I always go back to that. Every time I watch this movie, I always go back to that. But it wasn't just her because Jada Pinkett also kind of had that. Jada Pinkett mm-hmm. very much, very petite, yes. but always seeing, seeing the, the, seeing their kids now, honestly, it's like, yeah, makes, I feel like when sense. I look, yeah. when I look, when I look at Jaden, I'm like, yeah, yes, <laughs> those are her children. This was like if you took the inner, the insides of Jada Pinkett and you gave them, yes, <laughs> yes, what I would see. Um, just seeing that kind of like play on it, and I think the '90s was a much more well, not I don't want to say much more. I think the style of the nineties allowed for much more room to, mm-hmm. to play without anyone making any assumptions. I feel like now it's like, totally. <laughs> I put on a bow tie and I almost got like a long grocery list of questions about Word. it. Exactly. Um, exactly. But in the nineties, it was just like this, it was like hip hop meets fashion meets like the hard and the soft and the, you know, and you could, you could embody everything at once and no one questioned it as much. Totally. Um, yeah, this movie, yeah, it's just been my foundation. What was the question? I go on. You, <laughs> you answered the question so well. And you and it made me think of something that I talked about in the episode last week. I did Girls Trip last week. Ooh. And it is these both of these films are great examples of showing the diversity of black women on screen all together. And the diversity of experience and friendship and everything like that. I mean, these four women are really, really good friends. And they have a couple of similarities here and there, but they're so different from each other and so rich and specific and textured. I just love it so much. Um, And there's no... the love. You have the love interest. You have mm -hmm. the love story with Stoney. But it's it's very rare that you see a, a film with black women where black men don't somehow take center stage totally. as like love interest and cat, you know. Totally. And this it was like Sony had, you know, this this <laughs> this relationship, this beautiful budding romance. Yeah. But it didn't it didn't serve as like a a point to like derail the friendship exactly that existed amongst these women you know exactly. where i think so often it's like you know you have these they're friends and then a man gets involved and all of a sudden and now now everything becomes about yep. the man you know um, overrides the story this, yeah this movie like he was he was not an accessory Mm-mm. i won't call him an accessory but like he was he was a building block. There yeah. was, you know, there were stairs. There's still a goal. And he was he was one of the steps, one of the top steps mm-hmm. to, you know, to the goal. Um, I, I like to think that after this movie, he like takes frequent vacations to Mexico yeah. to like, <laughs> secretly be with Stoney Sweet. until he decides to quit one day and they just go backpacking off. Exactly. <laughs> across the world. And I mean, he doesn't serve the purpose as much for romance as much as like you said in terms of plot the stepping stone for that specific bank and also in terms of plot and story getting that juxtaposition between someone who is has a lot more money and showing Mm -hmm. that side and mixing that with stony it's it really does surpass romance romance itself as an accessory you know 
Yeah. Um, and speaking of Queen Latifah and how great she is in this movie, she got an Independent Spirit Award for Best Supporting Actress uh, nomination for this movie, which I, I love. I know that. I love that. that. Yeah, very well deserved. Very well deserved. Very, very well deserved. I, oh. Yeah. I have not seen a movie in my life, in my life, where someone has gone out the way that Cleo oh went out in that movie. Oh, my God. But the acting yes. was superb. superb. When she hits the, the car door, that, oh, I was like, what did they what did they like just to be there in that moment especially because F. Gary Great like they were all around the same age like mm-hmm. th- in a way them coming together for this movie was like this is like How a lot this? of us coming together now and, and playing together things. exactly I, I was just like what what was the what was the direction what was the like what right. was the you know right. that little thing that gets in your ear and you're like this is that moment right also that moment with the car just felt very very Sagittarius. Yes. <laughs> it was like when she's sitting there and like has that moment in the tunnel and then goes, get out. And they're like, what? Mm-hmm. It's like, you already know that loyalty is there. Yeah. She's about to take one for the team because yeah. like she said, like, look, I'm going to write this about life, but you want something else. Yes. I'm going to do this so you can go have whatever exactly. you want because I already got what I want. You see these rims? You see this car? I got <laughs> it. I got it. <laughs> Objective <laughs> achieved. Objective achieved. But her, oh my gosh, I, I I understand growth in your career and like, you know, certain things that you have to do to grow and, and, and having different skills and not wanting to, you know, just do the things people expect you to do. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I miss, I have so much nostalgia for all I will say the three of them because Kimberly Elise is kind of yes. Just, Kimberly Elise is Kimberly Elise. Yeah, Kimberly yeah. Elise is you know, mm-hmm. um, but I think there is something that has been lost over time. Yeah, with Vivica Fox with Jada Pinkett and yes. with Queen Latifah yeah. of like this this ability to be gritty, and you know they all have it in them. Absolutely, you know they all definitely most of still have it in them. One hundred percent. Um, but just seeing them in this time where they were all still kind of earlier on in their career, where they just like, you've got to see so much more of them. Mm. And I think it's also just having a film that allowed them to be so many different parts of themselves instead of just being one thing or another. Absolutely. Um, it's just like, it's such a beautiful thing to watch. Yeah, I can definitely, Yeah. I always, I keep, I keep thinking back to that moment where, like, on the roof getting high. <laughs> I like, love that start moment. Looking like Sucker Bear. Yes. <laughs> I love that moment. Speaking of that moment, let's talk about some of our favorite moments because that is one of my favorite moments. Just kicking it with the girls, yes. smoking a J or a blunt on the roof to that Bone Thugs and Harmony song. Yes. It is just. So perfect. And there's something about Jada playing high that I love. She does it super well on Girls Trip as well. Mm -hmm. It's, I think because she's so small and because she plays grounded so well, to see her kind of like float a little bit and her energy is so much I'm like, I wonder if they, did they smoke for that? Right, right. I wonder. 
So good. So good. And one of my favorite moments in a heist is when Queen Latifah drives through the bank. Yes. With all those teddy bears stuck on the grill. So good. And doesn't TT grab one? Yes. She's like, hurry up, hurry up. Oh, wait. What a kid. Yes. <laughs> Oh my God, what an excellent, excellent, excellent moment. Just from all standpoints, it is a great moment writing-wise. It is a great moment directorially, visually. It's a great moment acting-wise because in that scene before, is that the heist where TT is down on the ground and this guy's about to get his gun and she's like, nope, Um, is that that one? Yes, that's Yeah, (laughs) and she pulls out her gun. Next stop, Balboa was saving some love. That was an excellent Vivica. That was an excellent Vivica. Oh my God. What are some of your favorite moments in the movie? Oh my gosh. Um, so many. Uh, if I narrowed it down. Okay, I love <laughs> I love the very first uh bank that they decide to rob, mm-hmm. how they're like standing in the lobby, yes. putting on the wigs and having a conversation as patrons are walking in and I out. I love that. What's wrong? I can't do this. I can't do this. Frankie, she's right, okay? We didn't case this bank, okay? We cased downtown federal. They're all pretty much the same. I ain't feeling this, Frankie. This ain't right. Okay. I love that. It's such an innocent moment. And then when TT was like, yeah, I'm out. Y'all don't have a plan. I'm out. The way (laughs) she runs out too is so funny. She has... Exactly. Please look out. She has like a childishness about her in that moment. And it's... The shuffle of her feet. Yes. 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 That's... She's so good. She's so good. So let's talk about these performances. We talked a lot about Queen and Jada a bit, but I like what you said about Vivica. Uh, I don't know where she has gone or what has happened because she is consistently excellent in everything I've seen her in. And she is a game next level in this movie from the very beginning just the fierceness that she has from going from that scene of being absolutely petrified during the heist to the interrogation and her being justifiably pissed off at that white man who's firing her and then to the sister who is not helping at all, the uh, yeah. the partner. And just the waves that she rides in this movie. I mean, I even think of the scene where she's not about to give TT any money. Look, she didn't do anything. She walked out. Who the fuck cares? She was there. Oh, fuck that. She didn't do nothing, so she ain't getting nothing. Forget it. Frankie, I don't want your money. Now, if you want to kick my ass, then come on, let's just get it over with, because I am sick of your shit. I need that money. It ain't you, Amanda. Damn. I'm sorry I was tripping. 
right? <laughs> and then the flip at the end of that scene is, ugh, it's so good. She's I, so great. You know, the other, the other part of building that character, I think, is the, that very opening scene. And it, it's easy to watch it and, and be like, oh, you know, to come to the conclusion that they had where they're like, oh, you must have been involved because you know them, they're from your neighborhood. And she's like, I know them from around the way, which like black folks, we knew from the 90s. Yeah, yeah. Like, around the way, it means mm-hmm. like, like we, I, hey, what's up? Mm-hmm. You, I don't know nothing. I don't know nothing else about you. I hear about you. I hear things. Exactly. Uh, school together at some point, but like, we not cool like We're that. We're not cool like that. It, that opening scene so kind of beautifully illustrates the relationship that you see build between black men and black women. Mm. Because when it comes to that bigger, the big bank where, you know, Jada calls, yes. she's like, Hey, meet me at us over in five minutes. Cause like, I don't want you to be there and get caught up exactly. in, in our mess. Exactly. But then you have this, the opening scene and she just met this dude. They didn't, you know what I mean? Mm. Then you have this opening scene with someone you grew up with, people you grew up with. You know, these people at least, well, you know what I mean? You work at the bank. They didn't even try. Not they didn't even, even think to try to say, hey, we're going to do this plan. Do you want in on it? Mm-hmm. No, they just bust into your place of work to do what they want to do. Fuck up your entire, your check, your everything. 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 And he sticks the gun directly in her, in her face. face. Yes. And it's like, it, and, then, and, then, and then kills that woman right in front of her. Yep. And it's like, you didn't even... When I, I remember watching it as a kid and seeing that moment and being like, oh, she must be so terrified because the bank is getting robbed. But then why are they showing her coworker just so easily do these things? But then as I got older, I realized like, no, these are people that you grew up with. Yep. Yep. Who didn't even have the respect to Mm-mm. say, hey, don't come to work today. Right. Hey, we about to do some shit. We're going to come to your counter mm-hmm. so we can get in and get out without hurting anybody exactly or, you know do you want and do you not no they busted into her place of work knowing good good damn well she worked there mm-hmm. and didn't care murdered people in front of her face yep and it went out about their business yep that was it dude was over here chilling with you then you're over here chilling with the brother yep. of her of her best friend yep and got him and kicked. Got well, him. I mean, well, technically, yes. like, yes, but also, like, y'all, you right. have to know the difference between a champagne bottle and, okay, we right. want <laughs> police brutality is also very much. But as black people and understanding that, it's like, this was just, this was just all the way, there was no sense of loyalty here whatsoever. Not at all. Not at and, all. And, yeah, the amount of shock I would be in to the point where she finally speaks to these people mm-hmm. of like, do you understand the level of outright disrespect that yeah. I just sat through? Yes. These motherfuckers coming into my job. Yeah, absolutely. Messing up my check. Absolutely. And I got to go back and see these people because mm-hmm. I'm not going to snitch. Right. I got to go back and see these people. Right. And you over here telling me about, about the money that you not going to lose because you got insurance. And somehow I'm involved. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. That moment where she where she snapped, I yes. was like, yeah, I felt that. Felt, felt that. that 100%. Felt, felt that in my... All the way through. In my bones. Just... She, uh, there was just... I think we've... I think over time, we've gotten this more kind of like 
elegant uh, presentation of Vivica Fox, mm-hmm. which again, we grow, you know, th- this, this industry and like finding yourself in the industry and being a black woman within the industry and trying to, you know, figure that I, I, there's so much to navigate. Yeah. There's just something so beautiful about seeing these black women in this black movie where they were allowed to feel. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. You could almost tell that like some of these scenes, you could almost tell that F Gary Gray was just like, do it how you're going to do it. And then, and then we'll adjust. Exactly. You know I mean? Exactly. Yes. They, because yeah. those moments were just too, they were just so like, you're sitting there watching, you're like, that is exact. Yeah. That's you it. You know, where so many times you watch, all, you go and see a black movie in a black movie theater and we're all yelling. It's like, why would you, you know, we would have done this. Exactly. But that, if this is one of those movies where you're like, yeah, yeah. exactly. That's, this is what yeah, I that's done. exactly that's what it. I would have That's it. I, I may have had like, after I go here, I mean, I wouldn't have because, Like, police. But, like, yeah. Exactly. And speaking Uh, of what people would have done, let's talk about Kimberly Elise a little bit. Because speaking of her running out the bank the first time, that probably would have been something that I would have done. Though, eventually, over the course of the film, you do briefly find yourself thinking, you you know what? Let me, let me, uh, let me rob the bank. Let me, uh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Let me do this. But yeah, let's talk about Kimberly. She is, oh my God, she's so good in this film. She brings so many levels to this character who for all intents and purposes really is like the fourth one. You mm-hmm. get the sense that she's newer into the living situation, so therefore newer to the group. She is a bit more meek than the other three. And yeah, she's just so dope. And for a first film performance, wow. Wow. Like wow, she uh, oh, that uh, that moment where she shoots Luther, yeah, and they're oh, all like yeah. that moment, like where everyone's like, where did gunshot come from? TT, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was like, he was going to kill you. So yes, and TT has had enough. She has right. had enough. It's you know, I it, yeah, I think we get a lot of that kind of like we don't know what the situation is with. Jawan and how because we never we never hear about anyone else being in the picture not that she needs it because like you got this whole family you know and right, these friends right but we never get that story we just see her trying you have the moment with her with Luther where she's like I thought you were gonna pay me under the table like I can't I can't you know I can't afford a baby babysitter you're taking tax out of my check um these moments you just see her like just trying yes, her best to provide yes a life for her son and really considering those moments. Like you see it in her face. Like we at this bank, we in this lobby, you can see her face as they're putting on the wigs. It's kind of like, I have a child I'm trying to get back. Yes. I can't. The stakes I, are a little different. I'm with y'all, but not like this. Mm-hmm. This is messy. Mm-hmm. This is too messy. I'm going to be, I'm a still, I'm a loyal friend. I'm going to be out there playing lookout, but like, Y'all can get together. Yeah. But then once they have a plan, she's the main one on the floor. Like, ah, uh-uh, I see you. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know? You thought. It, it's just, uh, even that scene where she's dying. Yeah. Oh, my God. So you good. Just like. So, so good. You can feel it in her where she's just, the way she plays it, you know she's going to die. Mm-hmm. You know she's not going to make it. 
mm-hmm. and Jada's over there. Come on, mm-hmm. <laughs> remember that flambe? And she's just that like, flam- I'm, that I'm, banana flambe. I'm not gonna make it, but you go ahead and talk about this flambe. <laughs> I'm gonna close my eyes. <laughs> That's so real. But just like. Uh, when she gets shot in the back, like it, that was the character. That, like when that when that security guard, whatever he was, ran Seriously. through. Which even that moment was a very interesting. The 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 subtle the subtle ways in which this film showed issues of police brutality 100%. was just beautiful. 100%. Because they are in this standoff. They're in this standoff. You already killed Stoney's brother mm-hmm. because you mistook a, a champagne bottle for a gun. Yep. But we're in this standoff, and this man runs all the way through, and they neither one of y'all even flinch. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Neither one of y'all. Exactly. But, and and to the point where he ends up shooting, and then. And, you know, at, at that point, then it's like, yeah, well, all right. Because, like, there was no stand down. There was no nothing. Mm-mm. It, like, uh, but then when she gets shot, I'm like, no. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No. Because you've really gone on this journey with her. I think she really does represent a lot of the audience's point of view at first. So you really do ride the ride with her. Because as she gets more into it, it's kind of gets you more into it as well Mm -hmm. as time goes on. And also, you know, speaking of the police brutality in this movie, we're going to talk about the ways in which uh, society really at large is the antagonist of this film Mm -hmm. because that security guard also had zero reason. There was literally nothing happening. The cops who were there were not shooting. They did not give any orders, but that white man mm-hmm. sees a black woman with a gun. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's and it. It's, it's like, I he looked like the security for the bank. So it's like. Exactly. It's oh, the security for the bank. Jada came in, <laughs> robbed the place. Exactly. Were you on the lunch break? Like, where were you getting coffee? Where were you? Exactly. Where were you? Exactly. And it's the same thing. The same thing happens in the opening scene. Because <laughs> they had the whole shootout, mm-hmm. right? They step over, they like step on a security guard who's laying by the door, and you yeah. have no idea why he's just why he's laying there. You assume he got shot. Mm-hmm. They step on him to run out, and then all of a sudden he gets up in time to kill the third bank robber, and then gets up at the end of that scene. You hear him saying, "Is everybody okay?" It's like, were you? Where were you? <laughs> were you just laying on the floor by the door hoping they thought that you were dead? Like, what, what were the you doing? Fuck? <laughs> Seriously. But here you go, get to come in at the end and and play the savior. Like, dang, even the woman behind the counter who's supposed to go on on the on the honeymoon or whatever, you took care of everything. Yep. You get to come in and act like you did something. Yep. <laughs> you were literally passed out by the door. That is crazy. <laughs> it's so crazy. And it feeds right into this idea, right? Because for all intents and purposes, the character of the detective is like the in-person antagonist, but he is the antagonist because he's part of this larger societal issue. Because there are, like I was saying in the summary, there are all these ways in which society is against these women. We have police brutality, police violence. We have economics, 
period, economics in the black community and how there are various systems that are built literally to keep black people down. And then there's also the child services. That is a very, very, very big thing in the black community. What are your thoughts on what this film says about how society treats black women? Oh, I think this film so beautifully portrayed both how society treats black people mm-hmm. and how black women are treated within Oh, that. yes, yes. Because, you know, seeing them, it's it's wild watching it now too, seeing them sit on that roof and talk about the um, rail station, the rail, ah, there's a name for that and I can't think of it right now, the rail yard. Yeah, yeah. And how like, oh, when it was open, they used to play people $15 an hour to work there yeah. oh, $15 an hour I'd be old four, five, you know and it's like it's 2021 and we still trying to get $15 minimum wage we still but trying to get under, it but like how much of a difference yeah. that would have made because even $15 an hour even in 96 $15 an hour still was not <laughs> you still weren't yeah it still didn't calculate out to enough it's, and you live in LA, in LA. Mm. but like just that, just that access yeah. would have made such a difference. Absolutely. And, you know, and then it's like, we don't ever know where Jawan's father is, mm-hmm. but like, he's not there. So she's trying to navigate the system and and not have her child taken, which she knows is so easy for it to happen. Absolutely. But literally just the small act of not making enough money, of those taxes coming out of the check, meant not being able to get a babysitter, meant having to bring him to work, meant then being a situation where where she ends up losing it. Mm-hmm. Like, but then you, with that, you see like these black people trying, trying so hard to pull up a way, pull up out of these these roots that we've been like entangled in. Absolutely. But then you see these black men who have the resources to pull them out. And the only one who does is one who is also pulled down and tangled up in these roots, which is, which is the character that Dr. Dre plays. He's like, yeah, all right, you know, I'll give you these guns. So you go, you know, bust these guns, do what you got to do. I understand it. But then you have, you have Luther, Luther, who has his cleaning service, who doesn't help. Never. Who's like, <laughs> that these three people I don't mess with the I, the R, and the S. It's like, okay, but then why did you tell her you were going to pay her under the table if you weren't going to pay her under the table? Right, exactly. Why even Why even say that? Exactly. Then you have um, Nate from the car dealership. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Which, oh, oh, my God. Which is another God. scene that is like, Ooh. watching that scene, I'm like, the direction of that scene yeah. is... Yeah. So beautifully disgusting. Absolutely. It's so The way real. he's like Ugh. whimpering, but also moaning. And like, he's just sweaty. He's just on her. And they're in this seedy hotel when it's like, y'all couldn't go. Huh. Who was like, I'll help you. But what you going to do for me? Exactly. Exactly. And then you have this. Uh, huh. Huh. Then you have this, who is, what is his name? The guy from the bank? Kenneth? Keith. Keith. Thank you. I was like, it's Kenneth. Um, who is like, I don't, I don't think he's, I, it's, we set him up as this character who was like, he's, he's come from, he has the access to money mm-hmm. 
that they don't have. But then you even see in him that he also doesn't really have the resources. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. Um, he has a home, but only because, like, his brother, there's, like, a quick moment where he says, like, oh, my brother left this to me. And right, so, like, right, he has right. his home, mm-hmm. not because he got, which also then kind of makes me think, like, well, did he go, did he go to Harvard because he came for money? Or did he go to Harvard because he, he came from the same neighborhood and was, you know, there's always, like, one or two kids that right. are able to get plucked out right. and and generally come right back yeah. because... If you're going to be anywhere helping anybody, you're going to help your own You're going to help your people. Absolutely. Um, but I don't, it's like he doesn't really, he's, he wants to help, but he don't really know how to help. And then you have the, who is over, I guess it's the lieutenant is over the detective where mm-hmm. there's that moment of like, oh, hey, I think this person is involved and I want to go. And he's like, what part do you not understand? Show the end or the O. He's like, <laughs> you're not going, like you, this is not, this doesn't look you can't do this yeah. but even he is not about saving his community he's about how it looks this doesn't make us uh, optics exactly. this don't make us look good optics. you gotta go find more before mm-hmm. you can st- but then it doesn't matter because then the, he still goes and does what he wants to do exactly and he, he doesn't, still goes and does he doesn't even mention the fact that you know you literally your force just killed this innocent black man like two seconds ago like he doesn't even mention that. You're so right. He's so much and more worried And even about with objects. that, they still have to give the breakdown of, oh, it's so, you know, it's like, oh, crap, we killed him. And then you notice in the same scene, they immediately come back with his credentials. Oh, yeah, he was a good kid, a straight-A student. Mm-hmm. He was on his way to UCLA. Like, they automatically were looking him up to see if they could find a way to, to, to excuse to what they had it. just done. To spin it, but, yeah. Even in the way that it's treated with these black men who robbed this bank, who killed people, yep, killed multiple people, and two of them got to go home. Yep, yep. But then you have them. They robbed multiple banks. They did not kill a single person. The, the worst thing that happened was the, was the dude in the restaurant next door, which he drove through, who fell over the top of the grill <laughs> right. and rolled right off the, onto the floor. Uh, that warranted an enti- the entire force coming out and shooting multiple multiple people in cold blood in the middle yes, of the street. Yes. You murdered this woman in the middle of the street with with gridlock traffic going by. Yeah, and he still is able to look up and see Jada Pinkett and walk away. Like you see him walk away and he puts his hands up like as if his life is so hard. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, letting her go was so hard. It's like, no, actually you get to go home. And even in that scene with Vivica Fox, it was like what she said to you, you deserve. So procedure when you got a gun in your head, huh? What's the fucking procedure when you got a gun in your head? Exactly. Yeah, what's the procedure? Exactly. Because this is what you did to me. So what's the procedure? Exactly. And um, even then, once again, you had this one cop who went rogue. She ran and he just shot and, and felt real good about himself afterwards. Yep. <laughs> you know? yep. Like the and the only one of them who survives is the one who had the sense to surround herself by a bunch of old white people because mm-hmm. wasn't nobody going to check that bus. Mm-mm. Nobody was going to question anybody on that Mm-mm. bus. 
Nobody was going to disturb them at all. And they were going to be able to get that bus across the border without any sort of search or seizure or anything, which is how she made it. (laughs) 100%. 100%. Oh, it's all in there. So many truths. And like you're saying, the way that they weave this all into this movie is like, it's incredible. It's really, really, really incredible. It's so I, also, I do love the moment that F. Gary Gray decided to insert himself into the film as yes. like being the friend who clouds Cleo about her car. Yes. Oh, I love that moment too. <laughs> and the low rider. The, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> so good. So in conclusion about this film, this excellent, excellent film, this film is so dope. It really makes me miss this era in black film. There's an energy to this film that is fast and electric. And as always, I really love pieces that are about black female friendship, the unity Mm -hmm. of black women. I also miss the era of Vivica A. Fox, as we were saying before. She was in a string of shit and I just really miss it, you know? Yeah. Everyone is excellent in this movie. But I haven't especially seen Vivica in anything in a while. And this film is such a great reminder of how dynamic of an actor that she is. Um, F. Gary Gray has a lot of wonderful films. And for me, it's hard to pick between this one and Friday for my favorite because they are so different from each other. And I love that they're different from each other and how important that they both are within the canon of black film. So, Set It Off is available to rent on Amazon and Apple TV. All my life I had to fight. All righty. The time has come for the You Better Act Award of the Week. And if you don't know, audience members, the You Better Act Award is an award that I give out weekly to a performance that I think is so dope and usually deserves more love, praise, and attention. So I give it that. So this week's You Better Act Award goes to, drumroll please... Kimberly Elise in Beloved. Beloved was released in 1998. It was directed by Jonathan Demme. And this film is based on the novel by Toni Morrison and tells the story of a former enslaved woman named Seta, played by Oprah Winfrey, who was haunted by the ghost of the baby daughter named Beloved that she had to kill to keep her away from slave owners. And Beloved, when she does come back, is played by Tandy Newton. Kimberly Elise plays Seta's other daughter, Denver, and she gives such an excellent and varied performance here. She blends moments of vulnerability, rage, and terror so well together and truly holds her own at a point where she was still a very, very young actor. She made this not too long after Set It Off. She also plays incredibly well with Tandy Newton in moments where she's glad to have a new sister around and also shows so much growth by the end of the film just like she does in this movie. And this performance to me is so good, and her and Tandy Newton could have easily been nominated for Oscars, were the subject matter not so uncomfortable for Oscar voters, the film not so long for Oscar voters, and also the fact that it's a black film, period. Yep. Um... And like I was saying to you before we started, I think Kimberly is one of the best actors that we have. And though she works fairly steadily, I think it's time that somebody really give for her roses. And so you've seen this movie, right? Yes. 
Yeah. Yeah. This was another, another, there's a few moments in my life where I was like, I want to be an actor. I don't know if that means being black and being an actor and then being Kimberly Elise and seeing all the, and then being like, oh no, I can be an actor. And then seeing Beloved and being like, what? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, I, yeah. She deserves, it's, she's, it's, on the one hand, it's like being a black actor, like you can't, it can't all rest on the accolades because like they're mm-hmm. so rarely given to real. any of like, you know, unless you're, unless you're playing um, into a, a stereotype that yep. white people feel comfortable with. Yep. Um, it's very hard. So I, yes, I, and another, I want to see so much more of Kimberly Lee's. I want to see so, so much more of Kimberly Lee's. Um, Me too. I, I mean, but she's also like, you know, she got her hair care line. She's out yes, there, you know, doing that's the true. yoga life meditation. The that's like, so true. I just follow, like, I, I, I don't follow a lot of celebrities on Instagram anymore because this past year has just shown me it's that too much. people just have different understandings. Uh, you know, the celebrity can change your perspective on things that are happening and absolutely i i just can't follow people who are like constantly posting lavish parties and and vacations and whatever and so whoops sorry not certain <laughs> of that i unfollowed them like any of them are gonna be like what when they stop following me <laughs> yes but kimberly Elise is always like oh, page is just so like soothing and like yes and you know she's a mom and like I do appreciate that she has like this powerhouse, but has also been able to live her own life separate from all this other Mm -hmm. stuff that's gone on. Because I think you do see it in some of the, especially black, it's very rare to see a black actress who gets a lot of spotlight and remains true to their core i think you have to have a lot of that kind of party Mm. you have to know a certain amount of who you are before going into it otherwise it seems that hollywood really i mean really acting in general there's always going to be someone around you to try to tell you who you are um but she is just like such a such a just oh my gosh she's incredible I like in my mind, like she's up there with like the Cicely Tyson's and like, I just honestly, uh, I, I, I just, I want, yeah, I want one good movie that is like, give me Kimberly Elise Mm -hmm. through Mm -hmm. and through. It bothers me when I play like the movie games and stuff with friends. And like, I mean, I generally, I could just use a bunch of black movies and people are like, I don't know what that movie is. And I'm like, exactly. I know you don't because you don't know, know black you movies. Know. Exactly. But I know for sure if I pour out Kimberly Lee, people are going to be like, who? And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know how you don't know who she is. Like, exactly. you really do your homework because like, oh. She's so good. She's oh. the best. And if you want to check out Beloved audience, Beloved is now streaming on Hulu. 
So in closing for this episode today, some food for thought for the audience. Have you ever had to do something out of the ordinary to hustle and make ends meet? I'm so interested to hear y'all's thoughts and y'all's responses. Comment on our Instagram post at Adventures in Black Cinema. Follow us on Instagram at Adventures in Black Cinema. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple and rate it if you'd like. And also follow us on Spotify if that's how you listen to your podcast. Thank you, per usual, to the team. We have Matt Mozzarella on audio. We have Cindy Edward, our production assistant. We have Miss Amanda Seals, our executive producer. And thank you so much, Lene, for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. It's so much fun. Oh, I love this. I'd love to go watch this movie again. <laughs> yes, do it. Do it. Oh, it's so good. So good. So, so good. And next week... I will be getting into the nitty-gritty of If Beale Street Could Talk. So until then, stay safe, stay black, stay blessed. Love you all. Bye. So, uh, did you freeze? There you are. Okay. Yeah, you completely froze, and I was like... Uh, 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 no. <laughs>